Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAP Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mav Sports Take. We're episode 63 here live on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. We are Unmuzzled Sports Talk, focusing on the business side of sports. A lot of what you hear about and a whole lot that you also do not. And who better to bring you this news? Not myself. I'm talking about Brian Roberts, Rising Draft, Rising Draft. Go check it out. I'm talking about Mr. David Turner, who's been around, to say the least, 18-year scouting vet, the NFL, CFL, and three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers. Uh, has held many positions from area scout to Blesto to director of player personnel, assistant GM. He's done everything in the business, as well as now the owner of Maverick Sports Consulting. Make sure to check out maverickSportsConsulting.com. David, we are going to be talking well, first, we're going to be taking some mailbag questions, Matt. We're going to mix things up a little bit. But then we're going to be talking a little trades, potential trades, a lot of Deshaun Watson rumors that are coming by um, the, the wire right before we got on here, 8.30 Eastern time tonight. But as I do every single podcast, it's now the 63rd time I've asked you this. How are you? I am good. I am doing well. Back to it, back on the grind, trying to get everybody, you know, lined up, get ready for the big push for the draft coming up. I know there's a lot of agents that are curious about if the players they're recruiting are actually going to get drafted. I know there's a lot of players that are curious if they're going to get drafted. So, you know, like you and I were talking earlier, we're trying to put together, you know, some good packages for everybody to make sure all the answers are there for them before they just launch into, you know, this un- uncertain time between, as we know, Thanksgiving till May and what really happens is, uh, you know, the HBCUs and some of the smaller colleges start wrapping up around Thanksgiving and then boom, here we go into bowl season and everything else. And then before you know it, the NFL draft and combine and everything else hits. So, you know, we're trying to make sure all, all our customers, all our clients are taken care of before we get down the road too far. Yep, and me and David did spend some time on a Zoom call talking about the consulting side and being able to work with some agents and make sure that they are investing their money right. Tonight, we're going to be talking mailbag questions, like I kind of said before, and we're going to be talking about some of the rumors around the NFL. Before we do, Maverick Sports Consulting doesn't just do consulting. Would you be a parent of a high school athlete trying to make it to the next level? If you answered yes, then why not secure coaching from from an expert. Here at Maverick Sports Consulting, we work with high school athletes of all sports to create a strategy for their recruiting process. With limited scholarships given each and every year, having a pointed recruitment plan helps our clients secure their opportunity to play collegiate sports. We focus on your transcripts, your film, your leadership, and more to set your goals and create pathways to get to them. Whether you're looking to attend an SEC school or Slippery Rock University, we can support your efforts to get to those goals for 2022. 
Contact us today at maverickSportsConsulting.com. So like I said, David, we are a live podcast, which means we are very interactive here. We invite people every week for some mailbag segments, um, at least most weeks. And we got a really nice turnout for mailbag questions for the week. So we thought we're going to shake it up a little bit. Usually we talk about our topics for the day. We do a little break, and then the last segment is the mailbag. But we decided we got so many great questions, and we really appreciate everybody out there. You should like, share, subscribe, and rate this podcast right now if you haven't already, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform. So we to get back to the folks, we decided to do some mailbag questions for the week. So, David, I think one spot that I want to start with, and we got a lot of good ones, like I said, um, Jesse Fritch, good friend of the show. You know Jesse? It's good oh, friend. yeah. Good friend. Good friend. Of the show. Good friend of the show. And he uh, he wants to know, going back to David's time on the road as an area scout, what was David's fast food place of choice on the road? <laughs> and you can give me a couple, David, because I, I know this. I know there's going to be some probably similar fast food places that we enjoy. But also, I mean, out west, I know you guys have like In-N-Out Burger and all that good stuff. Like I don't have that here. So I would love to hear a couple of the West Coast favorites fast food places. Oh, man. You know, I tried to avoid the fast food as much as possible on the road because it's so it's such an easy trap to fall into and gaining weight is so easy when you're especially when you're on the West Coast scouting, because you'll have an eight or a nine hour trip. And it's just it's like, man, you eat some fast food middle of the day and all of a sudden you want to take that nap and you're behind the wheel. And, or a pit stop, pit stop somewhere else, maybe too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You might got the gurgles going, and you need to stop and uh, take care of that in an unsavory bathroom. So, um, you know, I really try to avoid it. But when I when I didn't, when I when I gave into the cravings, I I often was a Burger King guy. Okay. I would pull over, get a Whopper with cheese. Enjoy some onion rings. I, I mean, I'm not really keen on their fries. McDonald's has much better fries, but I would do that. Or if, or if there was happened to be like a large, like if there was a larger city and there wasn't just like a little truck, you know, some of the best diner food actually is on the, on the interstate. You pull over and hit a diner, you know, somewhere and you're like, dude, this is delicious and you're good. And that's what I try to do a lot. I would try to tell a, or talk to a concierge before I left and be like, Hey, between here and, you know, Albuquerque, what's the best giant diner to stop? And there, there's in the Navajo nation, like there's this uh, nice little diner actually that, that serves authentic Navajo food. So I'd stop there. It's about four hours in and I would stop there and eat. Um, there's a, a couple other ones that were, you know, between here and Vegas and stuff that I would stop and eat. So, you know, I always try to stop at local joints if I could plan it out and map it out a little bit. But if I if I couldn't and it was just like a pullover, you know, truck, truck stop type thing, often I would wait until I found a, a Burger King. So I need to ask about this Navajo food for a second. Is that is that like a lot of green chili? Is that the Navajo customs? I, I no, right there. No, no. Am I completely wrong there? Okay, I'm. I'm no, gonna get, don't no. That's, uh, that's uh, there's some there's some you know there's some stuff, but like um, authentic Navajo taco is really delicious. Okay. Yeah, no, they have an authentic Navajo taco. It's like on a on a flat piece of like fried bread almost but it was like Sounds really good. puffy and delicious um and and you know almost kind of almost resembled a tostada a little bit more than a than a taco okay but they're they're really big and you know again the way they season the meat and everything is a lot different so that was good or 
you know, they had different dishes. I can't remember now. It's been a few years. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that question, Jesse. I'm sorry. But... I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I wish I could have looked it up because then I would have been like, oh, yeah, there was this diner and that diner, and I could plug them right now. Um, but there was just places that had authentic, like, you know, um, foods along the way. And out here on the West Coast, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Spanish and Mexican food, little Mexican joints, little taquerias that you would dip into and that, you know, would be, you know, conducive to that town and be really good tacos or really good burritos and morning, you know, morning breakfast stuff. I found snooze. I mean, snooze is kind of a change out, a chain out here now on the West coast. But the first time I found it, a buddy that worked for the Broncos told me about it in Denver. I had never heard of it before. And it was like a modified, it was like a, a yuppie diner almost. <laughs> and so I pulled in there and had one of the best breakfasts I ever had. I uh, had a snooze right before I got on the road and head down to Pueblo. Um, I had a ride. I had a ride down to Pueblo that day. So, I mean, it was it was awesome. It was great food. Um, now there's snoozes over here by my house, and there's a lot in Arizona. So, you know, I'll stop by and be able to get a chance to to stop in there and you know that. But the first time I ever ate was in Denver, Colorado, based off the recommendation of one of my buddies who works for the Broncos. I know this question was asking, obviously, about your your um, direct experience with fast food on the road, but I'm going to give my stuff too because why not? You know, I, I'm not. I haven't been in areas. Yeah, you really didn't care about your stuff, though. He didn't. He didn't care, but I'm going to give my two cents either way because that's how that works. So um, I will say, Listen, Jersey boy, you know, out there, man, just putting it out there. If you're not eating five guys, I don't know what's wrong with you. Well, okay, so I don't really eat fast food anymore because when uh, when Ryan does eat a lot of fast food, he gets quite fat. So he stopped doing that so much. Um, five Guys is delicious, though. I, I, I love Five Guys. My, introduced my, when I started when I was working in Connecticut. Introduced yeah. to Five Guys, hooked. Well, hooked. Their fries, their burgers, oh, so good. It's so good, man, because it's it's so nice too. Because like, why would you ever get a large fry? You get a small fry, and they still fill the bag. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. You know what I mean? Uh, Five Guys is very good. I love the grease. I don't care. It's fantastic. It, it's delicious. It's a good burger. Um, I wasn't a big McDonald's fan, honestly. You know what? I, I, How do you, you know stack I, your burger though at Five Guys? Go back. How do you stack your burger? Because you can customize it so many ways. What's your customization at Five Guys? Um, I mean, I haven't been to a, a Five Guys in a while, but I mean, I would always just get. I think it was like the three patties, right? Because they were smaller patties, and then you just get cheese on it, like in the middle of each patty, right? Like you get a slice. Well, of no, you get two patties. Yeah, I think you get, I think you get three. I might be wrong about that, but I, I, I was there the other day. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I was there the other day. You get two patties and cheese, but then you got. I get the sautéed uh, mushrooms. I'm not a mushroom guy. Not a mushroom oh guy. my god! Well, no. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? I, I don't like, like things. I don't even know you right now. I, I like things with good texture and. Oh, you're terrible. It's good mushroom is so delicious. Nah. So I get the sautéed mushrooms. Get a little catch up. Like crispy onions, I could I could dig that. Nah, mushrooms though. No thanks. Oh, definitely. The mushrooms make the burger so good. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I can't. Oh, yeah. Well, I, 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 on my honeymoon, I did try a mushroom risotto, and the mushrooms were, like, eatable in that because, you know, it kind of – mushrooms just take on the flavor of most things, but I just, I just don't really like the texture. It's not the taste. I just – I don't know. Just not my thing. That's like I, me and cottage cheese. I can't I, I can't eat cottage cheese. Yeah, I, I, I don't do cottage cheese either, honestly. I honestly, like – I'm a little bit of a picky eater sometimes. Not like I, sometimes. I'm, it sounds I'm, like you're a picky eater all the time. Nah, man. I, I used to be way worse when I was younger. I'm actually pretty. I'm, I'm getting a lot better in that department. But I was just gonna say, McDonald's. 
like McDonald's is solid. Like I was never a big McDonald's fan. Burger King's solid. Like I kind of like put those together to be honest. What one spot that was like really close to my house that I, we always used to frequent a lot was Wendy's. I, I liked Wendy's a ton. And then I don't know, is Chick-fil-A out west? I don't even know if Oh yeah, we got Chick-fil-A. It just started coming out. Chick-fil-A I always ate when I was at the Combine, Indianapolis, because they have yeah. one downtown. So I could go to Chick-fil-A all the time. And then we eventually got them out here. Right now, in you know, in Arizona, we got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, that that because we get a lot of Midwesterners, we do have some East Coasters out here. So it's like every chain in the world is out here. It just depends on like what locations, but we have a bunch of them. But Chick Fil A's out here. I love Chick Fil A. My daughter and I go there all the time. You know, Casey awesome, and I go to Chick Fil A all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to not like when I was younger. I wasn't a huge waffle fry guy, honestly. But like, man, I am a huge waffle fry guy now, and the waffle fries there are fantastic. But like. I remember, I think Friendly's had good waffle fries, too. I'm just, like, reliving my childhood. I'm not a Friendly's guy. I've tried it, like, three times. We got them out here. I, I've tried it on the road because there's a couple station, uh, a couple uh, turnoffs where all they have was a Friendly, so I would you know, be hungry and try it. Yeah. Every time I was disappointed in Friendly's. I'm telling you, they, they used to have a buffalo chicken melt, which was on, like, sourdough, I think, which was really good. And then they had the waffle fries. And then you get ice cream for dessert, you know? So, I mean... And I was at a truck stop in the middle of freaking Kansas. Middle of freaking Kansas. Were you chasing Best? storms? Huh? Were you chasing storms? Or oh, okay. No, I was out there. I was at Fort Hayes. It was when I, I was uh, scouting Nate Shepard. Yeah, yeah. And freaking I was driving back. No, I was driving to Fort Hayes from Denver. And okay. there was a truck stop. I pulled over. It was just that time of day. I was starving. I pulled over and I had the best meatloaf. In the world, like the and the and the fluffiest freaking mashed potatoes, <laughs> it was like unbelievable. I was sitting there, like I was like, God, what smells good? And I saw her, like you know, I saw them bringing stuff out, and I was just like, Man, what's that? That guy just got. She's like, Oh, that's our meatloaf. Everybody loves our meatloaf. I was like, Serve it up. And I'm talking like a big Midwestern plate now, big Midwestern plate. Oh. I was so happy after that. I, I smoked the biggest cigar on the road. I got a cup of coffee to go. I was so happy. It was so good. Dude, that's another thing that's grown on me as I got older. I'm a big fan of meatloaf now. Like when I, I, mean, I think when I was like growing up, I was like, eh, it's fine. But I, I make a good meatloaf, to be honest. I love the spicy ketchup sauce thing or whatever wow. that you put on top, dude. It's so good. It's fantastic. I don't do spicy. I just do regular tomatoes. Ah, I, do like, I do regular tomatoes. I do like Italian-style tomatoes on top. What like pureed or like? No, like like diced. Oh, diced tomato. Wow, really, really. You know what's good with diced tomatoes? Um, I was talking about this the other day because we were playing this uh, game where like it was you, you had to kind of pick the uh, the best pizza toppings or something like that. And I remember when I used to coach high school ball on uh, my first couple years. The one time, and I thought this was weird at first. It was a uh, we you know we were we would do our game planning on Monday nights and we would order pizza and all that type of stuff. And it was a white white pie with um with diced tomatoes on the pie and it was really good just to throw that quick one out there um big pizza guy so throw it out there mcdonald's meh they're fine burger king the best at mcdonald's is a breakfast i'll be honest the best at mcdonald's is a breakfast it was good back in the day it was good the pancakes and sausages all that good stuff yeah I used to like I, I I used to like Burger King's breakfast too when I was really young. We used to stop there all the time, and I would get like the French toast and all that stuff. It was pretty good. It wasn't too bad. I got a I got a gal on TikTok telling me that Jersey pizza is the best pizza. 
She's not wrong. Um, New York's pretty good too, but like the tri-state area, I feel like is just solid pizza. I think Connecticut's a sleeper on pizza. Connecticut's got some good pizza. They're like an extension, you know. So it's it's like they're a little above the tri-state, but like they still count. They still count. They still um, count. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a. See, like, all right, here's a good question. I know we're taking a lot of time on food here. Who cares, though? It's our <laughs> show. Um, so are you a thin crust, traditional crust? Are you a deep dish guy? Like, what's your pizza preference? No, I like, you know, I if I'm picking one, it's a New York style. I really like the New York style pizza. Once I started eating it, you know, obviously when I went to, was working out there, yeah. I fell in love with that style of pizza and everything. She says the Lorenzo's. The DiLorenzo's. Lo- yeah. DiLorenzo's is. Yeah. A, she's like, I promise. I'm like, I don't even know DiLorenzo's, but whatever. You know, he says it's good. You say it's good. Okay, but no, I, w- I mean, there's this place out by my son in in um, out in Howard Beach. Yeah. It, it's called uh, it's called Gino's Pizzeria. Okay. Okay. They got every style you want. They got what's called Grandma slices, which is old old school Sicilian style. Mm-hmm. And I mean, their toppings are amazing. Everything's fresh. If you're in the if you're in the New York area and you're out by Howard Beach, go to Gino's. I mean, anybody can direct you to Gino's. It's like the best pizza on the block right down there. I'll give you three spots. Ready? Three, th- three. Well, th- three different things. Three different info on pizza for a second. We always used to get because um, my mom is full is uh, full Italian, so my that side is the Italian side, right? Like we don't we don't call it sauce, we call it gravy. That that that's like what they yeah. are, right? Um, Kashi's Bakery here in New Jersey. I have not had it in a very long time, but if we're talking about Sicilian style pizza, fantastic. Go to Kashi's Bakery. There's a quick plug for Kashi's. Uh, maybe they should sponsor the podcast next time. Um, that, send a pizza. That's all they need. We'll be fine. <laughs> Wait, and, all right. So then, if if people are familiar with Pennsylvania for a second, my I, had, I used to have an uncle that used to live in Maniunk, um, which is like an out, kind of, a little bit of an outskirt of Philadelphia. It's a little further down. Uh, I th- actually think it's north east. I don't know. Anyway, so Maniunk are famous for their tomato pies. Okay, tomato pies, which is fantastic. It's again Sicilian style. Just tomato on, uh, you know, the tomato sauce or whatever, and then they just sprinkle a little bit of cheese. Very good. And then my last thing is Tacanelli's pizza here. Do they put in, a little onion on it? Do they put a little cheese and onion? Uh, no, not usually. I think you. I mean, I think I'm sure they could crush a little onion or a little garlic. They definitely put a little garlic. No, the best yeah. one is when they crush. They crush the tomato pie when they crush a little bit of the green onion in it. Oh no, they definitely don't. Do oh, that. it's so good. Mm. So good. All right, that's on the to-do list then. I'll, I'll write that down um, on my imaginary notebook here. Um, and then the last thing, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Tacanelli's Pizza. So I went to I went to school with a with a kid named Vince Tacanelli whose family owns this, and they, they live they are in Maple Shade, New Jersey. But I think they actually have another spot now. They're kind of expanding a little bit. Fantastic pizza, man. Wasn't a big fan of Vince Tacanelli, but the pizza. <laughs> It's fantastic. Why you got to slam Vince? I mean, what did he do to you? I, I, I didn't go with the deep. What did he do to you? What did Vince do to you? Did he steal hey, your job really. or something? Nothing really, man. He's just kind of, yeah. He's just, yeah. It's just a mesh. You know what I mean? It wasn't like anything. Meh. It wasn't Meh. like, a, it, wasn't like a, it wasn't like a traumatic experience or anything. It was just like, you know, just not a good match. Did he stuff you in a locker? Be honest. Did he stuff you in a locker? No, he's actually much smaller than me. So there's, it's impossible that he ever stu- stuck me in. I'm shorter than you. doesn't mean you, I can't stuff you in a locker. You, you can't stuff me in a locker. You can't. This guy. Listen to this guy. I'm just telling you that you can't. Um, anyway, so Tacanelli's Pizza, they have this spicy marinara, and it is 
fantastic. I'm a big spice guy. I guess you're not a big spice guy. But I, know, I, I don't do the spicy like you. I know you do. You like the spicy stuff. I don't do the I, spicy stuff. I do. I do. We just spent um, – so we started. It's 19 minutes in now. We covered one of these questions. So let's get on to a different question, David. It was I, I like that conversation. That was fantastic. Um, going to that at, at that underscore sports underscore guy, Craig Forstall, who's a really nice guy, by the way. I've been on his podcast a couple of times. Said when watching a college quarterback that's a high-level top-notch athlete, what are you looking for when thinking about them at other positions? And how do you know which can make position switches and which ones cannot? That's a good question, David. That's a very interesting question. So obviously our minds are going to the Julian Edelman's of the world. We're thinking about maybe the Brad Smiths, who was a very good quarterback at Missouri, obviously was a dual threat kid and eventually turned into a, a more of a special teams player, but played some played some wide receiver, obviously, for the Jets and a couple other teams. I think the Bills. Anyway, so we're talking about position switches, guys that maybe, you know, were college – well, not maybe. Guys that were college quarterbacks that either switched to wide receiver, running back. I remember when Eric Crouch was coming out of Nebraska, the St. Louis Rams at the time drafted him, I think, in the third round to try to make him play safety, and then he decided that he didn't want to do that, and so they wasted a third-round pick. For you, David, just kind of with your experience, looking at guys that you are projecting like great, like really good, they're an NFL caliber athlete playing the quarterback position, but they're not a true quarterback. What are you looking for when seeing if a guy can make that switch and it, whether they can or they can't? Oh, it depends on where you're trying to project them, <clears throat> honest yeah. answer. So if you're trying to project them, say a quarterback to a receiver, yeah. I did this a few a few years back with a New Mexico quarterback, and I was watching him as he ran the ball, as they gave him quarterback runs, you know, as he did some things, and I I visualized him catching the ball, and then running after the catch, and then going, does that look like a receiver that I would want on my team running after the catch? Right. Okay. So I was like, you know, does that is that going to be a guy that I can really be like, ooh, you know, running after the catch, this guy makes makes people miss. He can be a difference maker, you know, something like that. Um, you have to really kind of switch your mindset, your opticals, and and think of them as a receiver, or as an athlete, and if they can do that um, part about the run after the catch, because you're obviously not going to see the catch while they're in college, you know, beforehand, before practice, if you're there or what have you, you can, you can walk up and, you know, ask them to catch a few balls, you know, um, or watch him just play catch with the receivers, you know, and if he's catching his own, then you're like, okay, you can see him, you know, with natural hands or not, but, you know, it's very difficult because, like, you remember yeah. when Lamar was coming out, a lot of people were saying he couldn't play quarterback. He might as well just be receiver, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, well, I'm just saying, like, and, the, and people kept going and going on that. It's difficult. It's not – I mean, you want to talk about it. It's hard to just break down players when you're looking for elite athletes at a certain level, right? Mm -hmm. When you're breaking down a player to project them somewhere else yeah. at a different spot, it's, it's really it's, – it's not as easy as it sounds. I mean, when we talk about – an outside corner in college playing nickel, that's so similar, you know, but you still miss a lot on that. 
You have like certain linebackers that you say can get a little bigger and play a big nickel. Um, but again, you miss on those. Quarterback changes are very difficult to project and predict. You know, like Willie Brown back in the day was a running back mm-hmm. at Grambling, and then he switched to be one of the all-time best press corners and Hall of Famers the Raiders had, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that is a little different. Um, Rich Gannon, I want to say he went to Delaware and he was playing safety, and then he came in the NFL and he was a quarterback. So, you know, you, you see it, you know, but you just have to really be patient with those guys watch them develop if you force the issue too much it's just not going to work and like with the rams taking crouch in the third round i mean they just should have they should have had the conversation with the kid long before they took a third round pick right right did they not talk to him about that that might that might be a conversation or did someone touch base with them that that was a weird one i know they they were also they were talking about a couple years ago when uh, Trace McSorley, now at the Baltimore Ravens as a backup quarterback, was coming out of Penn State. I think someone actually at the combine asked him to work out with the safeties one day as well, and he declined that. So obviously he put a you know a quick clamp on that. How, for you, David, it, do you feel like it's? And I honestly would love to hear the answer to this question. Do you feel like it's hard for a scout? from your perspective, to stand on the table for a guy that's that type that type of a transitional player that you don't have a tangible actually understanding of them playing? Or are you still, you know, firmly standing on the table for just the next level athlete? Like, is it hard for you to stand a table for a guy that's going to make that type of switch? Say, say Shaq Thompson, right? Yeah. Shaq played running back. He played uh, linebacker. Okay. He did kick return. Yeah. He's Mr. Everything, right? Mm-hmm. You got, like, got a guy like Shaq, no, because you're just like, I don't care what position this guy plays. He's always going to be successful. So you can get on a table for him, okay? Yeah. Because some people I remember when he was coming out was like, well, what is he? Is he going to be a running back? Is he be... It's just like, dude, he's going to be a linebacker. It is what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like DJ Williams that his freshman year in college, he was a fullback. And then he, you know, at, at Miami, they they need a fullback, so he flipped over, played fullback, because in high school he played running back and linebacker, and then he flipped back over and played linebacker, and ultimately, fantastic. yeah, fantastic athlete and whatever. So when you have a fantastic athlete like that, and a you know, a versatile athlete, you yeah. can you can literally take it and run with it, and go with it, and and get on the table for him. Plus, you got to know their character, know their dedication to the position, all that stuff. Now, if you have somebody who's meh, you know, just kind of average at best or average at the one position, like say he's a quarterback and he's average, he's not explosive, he's not this, he's not that. Yeah, you're not going to get on table for that guy. You know, you're just going to be like, if we need a guy, here's a guy. And, you know, your argument's kind of more, if we're stuck in the sixth round and we're looking for (laughs) this. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I would not like this guy. You know, the argument's different. There's less conviction in your voice. There's less passion for drafting the guy. But that also comes down to who's good for your locker room, who's good in the culture, who's going to be that guy. You know what I mean? So, for me, I I have a hard time with position switches. At you know, at high level picks. Mm-hmm. But if they're a phenomenal person, phenomenal athlete, very little injury history, that all ma- meshes and matches, I can go on a table for a guy. Like a Ronald Curry, quarterback, right? Yep. All right. I mean, and then he comes to the Oakland Raiders at the time, 
phenomenal athlete, absolutely one, probably the best route runner we had on the team. And we had uh, we had um, Randy Moss and Jerry Porter on the team. But Ronald Curry, with his basketball background, his stop and start and change of direction, if he didn't tear his Achilles, I mean, that guy was freaking unbelievable. Like, he could make people miss. You talk about making people miss in short area, close quarters. Whew. He used to make people look stupid, just dumb. <laughs> and, and then he tore his Achilles twice, and I was like, "Ah, that sucks." I know he's a was he a he's a, a receiver coach or something in one of the teams now, which I is, think so. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic because he's he's a wonderful human being and an incredible, incredible athlete when he was playing. Yeah, I think I was watching a game either last week or the week before, and I heard his name, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool." I, I didn't know Ronald Curry was was coaching, so that that is really cool. I, I think back to Craig's question. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think one one. I mean, one thing you got to watch a player, and you just got to be like, "That's a next level athlete, right?" To start out with, like that's kind of the baseline. But then it's like, how does he win as an athlete? I think for some guys, it's like pretty obvious. Like you, you like Jarek McKinnon was an option quarterback at Georgia Southern, the running back, right? Like you watched him though, he had a dense frame and he had a powerful lower half and he ran with a ton of violence and a ton of power that guy transitioned to running back obviously you look at a guy like a randall cobb who ran the wild cobb and he was more like a gadget type player you're like you know he wins more with short area quickness and be able to manipulate space talk about you know um uh, when julian edelman was a quarterback for kent state same thing he was winning with pure athleticism he wasn't the the, the you know the powerful runner that you were like oh maybe he's a Cool. Maybe he's a running back. Maybe he's that type of guy. Because I know that they talked about like Malcolm Perry when he was coming out of Navy, who was a record-setting quarterback at Navy. Like he had played some, you know, slot back, their motion guy in Navy at at points. But for the most part, he was an option quarterback. And I know there was a heavy debate. It's like, is he a running back? He took some reps at the Senior Bowl at both running back and wide receiver. He was a guy also had some tackle breaking ability but like for the most part he was making guys miss in the open field like he wasn't a pure power guy so he has made the transition fully to a slot receiver i think he's still in the miami dolphins don't quote me if i'm wrong there so i think it really just depends about you know how a guy wins we have to be able to to to, you have to be able to quantify first and foremost is he an nfl athlete can he play nfl football is he that type of player and then how does he win See how he wins. It's all about how guys win. That's how they make the transition, whether you're talking about a position switch or not. How translatable is the way a guy wins to playing at the next level? So great question from Craig. I really enjoyed that one to say um, to you know put it firmly into, firmly. into the atmosphere. Firmly. Um, so here we go. A couple other questions. Fantastic questions, by the way. Really. Um, we had Carrie Anderson at Chikari Anderson 3. Who asked? I think this one is more directed towards me. He said, "Do you think journalism is a bad way to go, major-wise? If I'm trying to get into the same field as you, and it was on my post, so I'm assuming that he's talking about me. So, um, it's a great Are question. Talking about you being a teacher. <laughs> um, I mean, well, yes, it would be a bad idea to be a journalism major if you want to be a teacher. Absolutely. If you're talking about trying to get into the media fields, um, sports media." I, and I actually answered Carrie earlier because he actually did DM me and I didn't see until um, after he posted this question. So kind of what I told him is like, for me, I don't think that there's one route that is the best route here. I think that it is individualized. I was a, started as a journalism major 
And then I ended up just getting a BS bullshit. I can say bullshit because it's my podcast, a bullshit English degree, <laughs> which which didn't make any sense. But I, I was too far in and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a teacher that was like, um, he literally took a hat, David, and he was like, write down your major and put it in a hat, right? And then we all put it in our hats. And he started picking them out. He's like, um, he's like, uh, uh, what's what's the one major where like you have no idea, like you're undecided? Um, uh, what's what, what is it? It's called, you know, what I'm talking about a major. It's like you're, it's like a general type of degree. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you head nod to me or shake your head that you have no idea what I'm talking? I about? I have no idea. I'm, okay, undeclared. I know people get no. into school undeclared. It's not undeclared. I wish my wife was sitting here. She would know. But okay, so there's a there's one that he took that out. Of that he's like, trust us. We wish your wife was sitting there too. Versus shut, you. Shut up, dude. Shut up. Um. Anyway, so there was that one. God, why are you? Why are you like this right now? Why are you like this? I'm trying to have a serious conversation to carry one of our loyal listeners, and you are ruining this moment. I am not ruining the moment. Get to your point. I'm trying to. I'm trying to get to You're the point. You're picking the long road. You're. I'm trying to get to the point. You just keep talking. Stop talking. Nobody wants to hear the long road. Reader's Digest version. Fine. We'll move on. We'll move on. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, there is a – okay, so he started taking names, uh, jur- uh, majors out of the hat. He eventually got to journalism. He said, you're not going to make any money and threw it down onto the thing. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to make any money. And I, at that point, I was an impressionable 18-year-old, 19-year-old. I'm like, I need to switch my major. So anyway, I ended up with a dumber, a, a stupid, more stupid, stupider. St- I don't know. Anyway, I'm more dumb, dumber. Dumber is a word. Okay, dumber. Oh, my God. I am tripping over myself right now. A dumber degree. I we all noticed. I ended up getting an English degree. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do for the next few years of my life. I ended up going back to school to get to get my special uh, special education cert- certificate to go back for education. So all that to say is that I am now in this field, also still teaching, but I'm in this field and I did not end up with a journalism degree and I did not end up with a degree that was made any sense to be in the industry that I am right now, talking about the sports media side of everything. So I do not think that it is a necessity for you to have a a journalism degree. Backgrounds, it's a little different. You take some classes. You can mix it in with your major. I think a sports management degree would be an interesting one for getting into sports media. I think journalism would help. I I think that all of them could work together. But the long and short of it is to say that I don't think it's a necessity. I think you carve your own path and then you make it work is what I think. So – there's that. Shut up, David. Moving on to the next question. We're talking Miami Dolphins. I don't know how much you've seen. The, I know you've seen at least one of these guys, David. So they said, if you're the Miami Dolphins, are you drafting Chris Alave or, uh, from Ohio State, wide receiver, or Drake London, wide receiver from USC? And do you think either of them can make it to the second round? David, have you watched Alave? wondering if you have any thoughts on Alave. I know. I like Alave a lot. I, and I watched London, too. Obviously, being out here um, on the West Coast, so I know both these players really well. I would draft Chris Olave, but I don't think he makes it to the second round. London, maybe, because I don't think London's going to run the four four. I think London's going to hit a four five two, four five five. Olave's got a shot at hitting a four four eight, four four seven. I really do. I've watched him run some patterns deep, and I think he's got a little bit of build up speed. He doesn't have that instantaneous jump on you type explosion off the line, but he builds it up a little bit. And I'm like 
I think he'll surprise some people once he trains and he gets to the combine. I think he gets the 4-4, and at his size and catching ability and acrobatic ability to catch and try, try, um, track the ball, I, I think Olave goes first round. London would be the one I think falls at the second round. Um, if one of those, if he's asked me which one of those two is, I would yeah. say London would be the one who falls in the second round. Um, if I'm the Dolphins, though, I'm drafting offensive line in my first three picks because <laughs> their offensive line is awful. And, and, in, and as we're seeing, look at what's going on with Kansas City Chiefs. Both their tackle, they lost both their tackles, right? And now, you know, Patrick Mahomes can't sit back there and pluck people apart. Um, you know, one interception has come from inside the pocket. The rest have come from outside for him. So, he, you know, until you protect your quarterback, it really doesn't matter who you're throwing to. You know, I mean, people can point to the Bengals all day long. I still think they should have taken, you know, the Penny Sewell, and then they could have picked up other receivers. Chase is amazing. He's amazing. But like Ryan stated, he was a luxury pick for a team that really doesn't have luxuries, um, you know, because your quarterback keeps getting abused. So, you know, how many hits is he going to take in a 17-game season? Um, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is amazing to watch. Don't get me wrong. I love watching him. But at the same point, guys, you got to protect your quarterback. Like, Dude, you know, I, would, and- I would say one thing. Sorry to cut you off. Man, I was so right about Jamar Chase. I, there was a, this big thing for like several months because he was an opt-out guy. They're like, oh, he doesn't play well against press. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. My guys, he has over 800 yards in his first seven games. Just wanted to throw that out there. You can finish. Sorry. No, I again, I, I don't like guys who opted out. You know that. I know that. I, I, I was on that train too, but, and I, but I like Chase when I broke his film down, as you know. Like, yeah. I like Chase a lot. I thought he was a fantastic talent. Yes. I was just like, at the spot, at the pick, that's where my problem was, right? I know we got to move on to the next stuff. But, you know, for me, if I'm the Dolphins, I'm literally looking hard in offensive linemen, drafting offensive linemen, getting young talent because Ryan made the statement before we went on the air. They really don't have – they might have one guy that's under – that's young that they can build around. The rest of their offensive line is horrible. It's awful. So if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, I would hope that there's good offense alignment in this draft so they can go get one or two of them early and build with them. Because the Niners did that a few, you know, when they were on their championship runs, Joe, um, they had Staley at one tackle. I want to say they had um, Deuce, Latui, and Brown. All three of them were first-round picks. And then they wound up having a solid offense line for like five five years, right, or something like that. So um, that's what you would hope to do is get a couple good offensive linemen, build around them, and protect your quarterback, and then draft the kid, you know, the, the skill stuff in the second and the third, fourth round. Yeah, I, I would agree as far as I don't think that wide receiver in the second round would be a fantastic selection for the Dolphins considering what the state of the offensive line is. I would agree 100% on that. Well, comparing Olave to London, David, I'm actually the complete opposite here. I will tell you this, man. I watched London this past week against Notre Dame. I was so hesitant on him in the summer because I'm like, I just didn't see a ton of separation. And I'm like, he's a big body guy. And we've gotten fooled by some of these guys recently that have been the pure contested catch guys. I have a comparison for Drake London. Uh, First of all, 
I'm fully in. I just put this on Twitter actually earlier. It's funny that this question came up. I am all the way in on Drake London, man. He reminds me of Brandon Marshall. I really like Drake London. First of all, he has a wide receiver. Uh, he has a basketball background, and that pops up. The dude yeah. can jump through the roof. Like it is easy to see that, and he does all the things that you would consider, uh, you know, uh, the catch point receivers. He can win above the rim. He can stack with his length. He's not a true burner. I agree with you. Four five two to four five five sounds about right. I would agree with you on that. But the thing that I think really separates a man is he plays with absurd physicality. Absurd. Yards after catch, super physical, competitive all over the football field, wins multiple levels of the field. I think that this might be Brandon Marshall. I really do. I was hesitant on him. I think London's going to be a top 20 pick. That is my claim here. I think he's going to go top 20. Just remember I said it. We can revisit this in April. But I think that he's going to go very high. Alave, on the other hand, is a guy that I think is as solid as you're going to get from a wide receiver. Number two option, number three option in offense in a passing in a passing game. I think that he is rock solid for the next eight to ten years. Like I think that he's going to be a 800 to maybe thousand yard receiver in most years. I also do think there's some limitations to him. I don't think that there's play strength. I think that he has a wiry frame that I don't think has a ton of strength to it. I think that he's a really good route runner. I don't think he has any ability to win above the rim. I don't think that he's a great contested catch guy. I think he's a very good secondary option. I do not see a number one option there, but I think that London can be. So I actually think that Chris Olave is the guy that is more likely to fall to the second because I think that he is going to get overshadowed in a in a, what is another good wide receiver class. we got Garrett Wilson in Ohio State himself that might overshadow him a little bit, playing with Olave. you got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I think there's guys that have better traits that are going to kind of rise a little bit to the top of the class. But also I think Olave is a rock-solid player in the second round. So that's my, my call. Market, market, we're, we're opposite. We're obviously on that one. We are 41-14 into the episode, episode 63. Mark it down if you're watching today. Last question, and we're going to get into some Deshaun Watson talk. Um, Here we go. Lee Wakefield at Wakefield 90. He is, I believe, a Los Angeles Chargers fan. He said, if you're Tom Telesco, who is your ideal, realistic, first-round selection in the 2022 NFL draft? So I'll write off a couple names, David. I think that just understanding the positions – that I think that are on the table for LA. First of all, you have your quarterback for the foreseeable future. You have a good, good stable of running backs. Your wide receivers are good to go with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, all those dudes. Um, I think that you lost Hunter Henry this offseason, so like tight end, maybe. I think that Rashawn Slater is actually playing very well at left tackle so far, and their offense line is very improved. Corey Lindsley at center. But I think right tackle is a spot that definitely could be upgraded. Defensively, I mean, defensive tackle is probably a spot linebackers decent but I think corner defensive tackle tight end and right tackle are my biggest needs for the LA Chargers is there one that I'm missing or do you mostly agree with me no I think I think for me I would pick if the I don't yeah I think I mean I'm looking at the draft right now I don't know if there's a right tackle first rounder I don't know if there's a tight end that's a first rounder. No, I, I would say that there's definitely not a tight end. So I you know, I would zone in on cornerback or pass rusher, you know, being honest, because you got Joey, right? 
but opposite side or a linebacker that's a good blitzer or maybe a you know inside rush guy that can get upfield and get in quarterbacks faces yeah. um but just someone to help out bosa a little bit more and get more pressure on the quarterback or corner which will buy him more time to get to the quarterback you know i think i think when i watched them this year i i would i think they need a little bit more heat on the quarterback um and that can come from giving them more time by having a better corner cover, or it can go the other way, which is find, finding someone who could flash in there faster um, to go opposite side of Joey Bosa. Well, the good news is if you need a pass rusher, if you need an edge defender in this class, it's a good one to have. So um, a lot of but guys, these guys are going to be picking. More than likely, they're going to be picking somewhere around 20 to 30. And that's fine. There is depth in this class there is some depth maybe adam anderson from georgia there's some stand-up rushers that i think are really talented in this class maybe someone falls to you like there's a lot of dudes in this class i think 20 to 30 you can still get a quality potential high volume sack guy because the edge class this year is stupid man whether you are a base four-man front you're a base three-man front you need a stand-up rusher you need a hand in the dirt traditional four three defensive end there is a guy for you in this class, and that's the way you're going. I think cornerback for me is probably one that I think is underrated because I know Asante Samuel Jr. has been playing pretty well as a rookie. But you have Chris Harris who's been playing a lot more inside. I think another outside corner to really finish off that secondary is a really good spot. And I think tight end, secondary option, probably second, third rounds. Right tackle, though, was actually one that I gave them in a mock draft recently just because the board actually felt pretty well for them to get a right tackle in that range. A little more of a developmental guy. But I think he's got some upside, and I think to finish off, to find your bookends for Herbert, your franchise quarterback. Obviously, I think is never a bad thing. So that no, I think I'd go corner yeah. first round though, or pass rusher, That's and then second round focus in on the the right tackle because I just don't. I just what, what I've what I've seen this year. I don't see a right tackle that I'm like, ooh, you know, like this is a yeah. guy. Yeah, it's not, it's not a great offensive tackle class, in my opinion, in general. I think there's two guys at the top that are pretty good, and I think that it kind of tapers off. Um, so I agree with you. I mean, if somehow Evan Neal from Alabama falls all the way down there, then hey, then we got a right tackle for the next whatever many years. But I would agree with you. I think that, especially if you're talking defensive end, you were talking about pass rushers, I think it's a great class for that. Want to thank everybody that gave us those questions. For the last 10, 15 minutes, we want to talk about Deshaun Watson and the continued drama that is surrounding his potential departure from Houston. Before we do, have you secured any sponsorships with your name, image, and likeness yet? No. What's keeping you from earning money or gaining products today? Probably access to companies. Maverick Sports Consulting can connect those dots for you. We believe in the power of athletes making a living off of their likeness while going to college. If it's simply that you don't have access to companies, don't let that keep you from being successful. Contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting so we can help you navigate your path to gaining corporate sponsorships for your collegiate career. An athlete's earning potential is limited. Why wait until tomorrow to start earning today? It doesn't matter what sport you play. We help all our clients achieve their goals. Just contact us at Maverick Sports Consulting. TikTok, the clock is ticking. So I want to talk about Deshaun Watson for the last segment of the day. David, of course, we were talking about this earlier. We're like, all right, let's talk about some trade candidates. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. And then, of course, right before we get on here again on a Tuesday, 10-26-2020, October 26th, Deshaun Watson news again. Again. Apparently, there is a deal in place to go to Miami, but it is not going to be finalized 
until they are a-okay with the off the field stuff. So David, let's just kind of dive into the recent news for me. I'm looking at this news and I'm just saying it's not going to happen. Like you're telling me that you need to, to, to check off this major issue where there's 20 plus su- uh, lawsuits against him were multiple women about sexual harassment. And you're telling me that, Oh, yeah, as soon as we get past that, that we have a deal in place. Not going to happen. I, I, I think there's zero chance that this, this happens with the Miami Dolphins. Well, the biggest thing is it's not just sexual harassment, it's sexual assault in some right. of the cases. You know, it's not just sexual harassment. It's not like he said something inappropriate. They, there was actual assault. Yes. Um, and this is what gets me. You know, we sit here and we talk about um, if he's going to get traded, they got to sign this off. Why is he not on the commissioner's exempt list right now? And the reason that Adam Schefter and all the talking heads are saying why he's not on the you know, commissioner's exemplist is because he doesn't have a, he's not arrested. Okay. That's the big thing. Like these are all lawsuits, but he's not arrested and he's not accused of a violent crime. Now that to me is interesting because the sexual assault. And again, I get what the essence is they're talking about. He's not, he's not been arrested or, or anything for like domestic violence or hitting, a woman or physically like dance, like I wouldn't say that, but he, he's not like, you know, there was no like trip to the hospital. Right. Right. Like what happened here were sexual favors that were, you know, I don't say coerced mm-hmm. and out, out of the young ladies is what he's being accused of. Right. You know, and that's assault. That's still an assault. And so when the word assault's applied, I don't understand how the commissioner can't keep, can keep him off his, off his exemplist because you know that is a violence violence is assault so when you're assaulting someone that is violent Mm -hmm. you know you don't just you know again if i spit on you that's an assault absolutely that is that's absolutely an assault so what he did is he coerced these young ladies to do sexual favors for him or sexual acts um compensated them for him but at the same point it's an assault it's a sexual assault if he were to be charged a sexual assault would be a charge in the list of charges. Now, how that all, how that all is going to play out. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't really, I think it's a murky water anyways. Like I really don't understand all of it with the lawyer being connected to the ownership of the Texans and all these young ladies coming out at once. And it was when Deshaun was trying to get traded and now that was going to be not get traded. Like, I really don't know. And it's been lingering forever to get, you know, all, all figured out. You know, I just really, it's so weird to me. This whole situation is weird to me. It's been weird from the beginning. Yeah. It's, and it's really weird that it's just like coming out like this. Like it's just kind of being thrown into the public like, like this, like, Oh, there's a stipulation, but like it's in place. Like, I don't know. It just seems like a very misinformed and, and, I mean, well, it's a it's a damage control before the trade. They're trying to see if the Miami crowd yeah. will tolerate it, or in the next twenty four or forty eight hours, if there's a large outcry that the my down the women's groups and stuff in Miami come out and say, no, we're not good with this. We don't want Deshaun here. We're not. We don't want you know this guy who's been accused of all these uh, sexual assaults to be in our in our clubhouse. 
Now, if they don't raise a stink and people are like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, he's not charged. And, you know, the, the dialogue down there becomes lighter right. and easier. Then they can say, oh, we can make the trade and look, we won't get killed too much down here. Cool. You know, but if, if they do raise a stink and everybody goes down there and starts hooping and hollering and causing problems or causing concerns or voicing, I should say, their concerns is a better way to put it. Then they'll be like, ah, oh, sorry, we can't trade for him because we're, you know, they're going to have to give up multiple first round picks for him and, you know, just to get him down there. So it's not like you're giving up just, you know, a two. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm giving up a second rounder and getting Deshaun Watson and that's all I'm giving up, I could care less what the crowd says. Right. Because when he starts winning football games for me and I still keep my first round picks and add around him, they're, they're going to be forgiving. And that's just the way sports are, you know. Wins equal forgiveness. It just happens that way. You know, people, someone was talking about the LSU situation where, you know, uh, people were talking about Coach O throwing stuff at people and yelling at people and whatever. And he's all, when you're winning, all that stuff goes away. But when you're losing, it comes to light, right? Same thing in this situation. When you're winning, a lot of stuff goes away. But when you're losing, a lot of stuff comes to light. I don't say it's right. I don't say it's wrong. I'm saying that this is the way it is. Putting out there, you guys as the audience can judge how you feel about it. But we're just bringing the business of football to you. And in the business world, that's how it works. When you're winning, a lot of stuff gets overlooked and passed over. When you're losing, it comes to light. And in this situation, Deshaun Jackson was complaining about the coaching search. He was complaining about wanting to be traded. He was, you know, he was puffing his chest out and showing some dominance. And now all this came to light. It's fishy. It's fishy. Because honestly, they knew about it beforehand. Yeah. People had to be keeping it quiet beforehand. But then when he started getting up and saying, I'm, I'm out of here. I want to trade. I don't like what, And he was being mouthy and he was being in the press and be, you know, putting it out there. Then all this came out. Fishy. Fishy, yeah. fishy. Yeah, there's something that just doesn't sit right. Now, all I'll say about this, man, is the due process, right? I'm not going – but, like, man, there's a lot of women that came out in this situation. There's a lot of suits that are pending here. I'm not going to just pass complete judgment here. All I'm saying is I would be very surprised if Deshaun Watson was found innocent of all these charges, all right? And I think Miami Dolphins included, everybody included – if an organization is just okay to gamble their image on this player, and I understand that he's a great football player. Trust me, I, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL to watch when he plays football, just strictly on the football field. But right now, you cannot, until it is over, and if he is comes out like clean in this situation, until that happens, he is not a good image for your football team. I don't think sacrificing the integrity of your organization is worth playing a couple football games. I don't think it is. Long term, maybe it works out. But the short term is the possibility is still that he plays a couple football games and then he is found guilty of these charges and then there's a sentence that is going to be passed down from the league and there's going to be suspensions handed out. There's going to be all these types of things. And that could tarnish not only your reputation and your image as an organization – but also, you may have given up multiple first-round picks to do so just because you got desperate at the quarterback position and you wanted a superstar. I understand wanting a superstar. I don't think this is the time, and I don't think this is the player right now. I understand it, 
But I don't I I I would be very surprised if a team made this decision right now. Off season, when things are less murky, I could see it. Right now, I don't think he's getting traded. I really don't. I, I think it's very. I think I'm, it's very hard for him to get traded because the markets that are talking about him: Carolina, um, yeah. Miami, the Jets, all train wreck organizations, all organizations that you know. Again, I should say Carolina's a train wreck, but what they're showing lately: they went and traded for Sam Donald, and they gave him an extension. Now Sam came out three and zero hot. They were all excited this last week, and he got benched in the fourth quarter. So. You know what is he? What is he doing? What's the decision making in that group looking like right now? And now you go and trade for Deshaun Deshaun Watson. Will he be an immediate impact? Yes. Will he fit that offense? Yes. But again, I think this was mismanaged by the Houston Texans from the beginning because they had to know the stuff was going instead of them letting it get out. They should have traded him. You know, it was right at, right after the Matthew Stafford trade. I said they missed trade the him. They missed the window, man. Because that that, that would have set the bar really high. They could have got multiple first round picks, second round picks. They probably could have got six or seven picks for this guy, or five picks and two players. Like it could have been a massive, massive, massive trade, and then let that, and then let that, come, and then let things come to light once he was on the other side over at the other place and let them deal with it. But no, it was mismanaged from the beginning. So, you know what? It's just it's just awful that they waited and they and again they were trying to ask for too much back then. When you got a player like this, get him out of your building, move on with your career. And like I said back then, they could have traded Jacksonville. I know it's in the division, but gave Deshaun to Jacksonville. They could have got Trevor Lawrence to their their building. Golden Boy to their building. Made 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 the you know made the fans happy. Deshaun would have came in angry a couple times a year to play him, but at the same point, build the team around the new golden boy and Trevor Lawrence. You know, and if they did that, he may not have come back to to uh, Houston upset because he may not be playing still. Who knows what's going to happen? Either way, we're going to be following closely. We're going to be following closely with the trade deadline coming up of potential. Trades obviously. Zach Ertz just went from Philly to Arizona. He just went from uh, two and five Philly to seven and zero, six and zero, whatever they are. The uh, I think seven and zero, seven and zero cards now. And he scored yeah. a touchdown his first game. You know, and he did, and he did, and he's been struggling with the Eagles over the last couple of years too. Because I, I mean, it was just dysfunctional. And I don't think he really wanted to be there. But either way, he had a nice first game with the Arizona Cardinals. So I uh, feel good about that for Zach Ertz to get out of a what is a. Dumpster fire over the last couple of years. Let's call it what it is for the Philadelphia Eagles. But we'll be diving more into that over the next couple of weeks. As far as some other topics, we have some great interviews that are also lined up already. Look forward to uh, to unveiling all this stuff and unveiling the new thing that me and David are working on from the uh, consulting side. I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm going to give David the final word here in a second. I would just like to ask you for my final word. Like, share, subscribe, rate, support the podcast, continue to let it grow. We have great plans for this show, and I know we've had a lot of great support in the past, so I do really appreciate you all so much, and we would appreciate that continued support. David Turner, final words tonight, my friend. What do you want to leave us with? Final words tonight is, you know what? I'm seeing a lot, a lot of negativity. Knock it off. You know, a lot of people are being negative with other people. A lot of people are drawing lines with other people. Knock it off. Like, you know, let's let's just figure it out, come together, and 
start to enjoy life. I mean, and stop putting the negative out there. You know, it might get you a thousand likes or something, but at the same point, you're putting the negative out into the world. Start promoting the positive and what's going on in the world. Start promoting the, the positivity of things. Like tonight, we spent 20 minutes talking about pizza. Mm. All right. We spent 20 minutes talking about pizza. Enjoy those conversations. Enjoy those times with your family. Enjoy with the holidays coming up. We're about, we're under a month from Thanksgiving. Plan accordingly. You know, be, be flexible. Be considerate of everybody and really get, start getting into the, the, ho the holiday season and spirit inside your heart and your soul. Because right now I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of negativity and, and it's coming out in the last three, four weeks, even more so. And it's really starting to drive me nuts because, you know, I want everybody to just enjoy life, enjoy football, enjoy pizza and uh, enjoy each other. So that's my final thought is knock it off, find the positive in your life, promote that, you know, and, and keep everybody healthy and safe. Well, I think that's a good way to end the show. Tomorrow's also my birthday. So wish me a happy birthday on Twitter. Happy birthday tomorrow on Twitter. It's also my uh, it's also my daughter's nine month um, birthday. I don't know how you phrase that, but she's nine months tomorrow. So make sure to wish her happy birth, um, happy nine months. I don't I don't know how that works. Okay, anyway, join us next week. Mavs Sports Day Ruby on episode sixty four next week, bringing you some great insight into the sports world, business side of everything, things that you hear about, things that you don't. We'll be live same time, same place, um, eight thirty Eastern time Tuesday night. Thank you all so much. Look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.